InvestTalk listeners ask Steve and Justin what they use for their winning investment research. And the answer is YCharts, quality data with easy-to-use tools. Start your free trial now at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. And welcome to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and today is October 16th. October 16th. Boy, that month is going flying by. And our program is all about you, your investments, and your continuing education on how to become an above average investor. Now, I've saved the date. I'm going to remind you about our October 30th. October 30th, Justin and I will be hosting a wealth webinar. Um, it's free. It always is free. Our Wealth Webinar, October 30th. Uh, there are one-hour online educational events that cover various topics, from economics to picking stocks. Webinars are always, always, always free, but you do have to pre-register at investtalk.com so we can send you a special link. It's coming pretty soon, too. So it's Tuesday night, October 30th at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. Now, the markets opened this morning with a pretty large gain in the first 30 minutes, and it really did really had a nice rebound. But I don't want you to get too excited about it. I don't want you to get too excited about it. We'll see. The latest jobs report, the most recent uh, report on employment, there's 7.1 million jobs open right now. Uh, because, you know, the quit rate, and I think I mentioned the quit rate before to you, that's where people quit and look for another job. They only do that if they're very confident. The quit rate is at a very high mark. So you have 7.1 million jobs out there, but you only have about 6 million people looking for jobs. That tells you the labor market is pretty darn tight. That's very unusual, by the way. Usually you have a lot more people looking for jobs than there are jobs available. So, of course, when that report came out, the market liked that a lot to help boost the stocks. Yesterday brought news of a bankruptcy, uh, you know, of our of a legendary retail brand, Sears. And young people don't even know that Sears used to be huge. It would be like today Walmart going out of business. Back then, Sears was where everybody went. Huge brand. It's been around 132 years. It was founded in 1886. So there's an investment story, investment lesson in this story, I think. And I'm going to talk about it in a few minutes. But before we get to that, let's make time for a caller. You're, you know you're, our, our, your calls always come first. The number is 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Dina calling from Atlanta. I just have a question about Square SQ. I bought in at 30 and then bought in again at around 70 if you could just give me your perspective, outlook on it, should I buy more? Thanks for taking my call. Okay, well, don't buy more. Um, it depends on how much you have. You know, you don't want to be you don't want to be heavy too much of any. I'd like to buy three percent of a stock of a portfolio, and if it grows from that, fine. But I like to start off with three percent. When I say fine, that means that it went up in price. 
Square uh, out of San Francisco provides point-of-sale software to manage receipts, inventory, sales reports with analytical feedback. And, you know, Square is, the, you, know, you run a cre credit card through this little device and it, you can have it on your iPad, your iPhone, anything, or any phone, not just iPad, iPhone, but any phone, and you, you plug it into the power source, you run the credit card through it, and it charges the credit card. It's a pretty neat software, it really is. They're going to make uh, 78 cents next year. That's the estimate after 45 cents this year. Huge jump, right? And last year is 27 cents. So it's up 60% this year from last year, and it's supposed to be up another 70%. This is earnings per share. But remember, the earnings per share is only 78 cents compared to a $78 stock. Okay? Uh, so that's 100 PE, a hundred PE, should that's expensive. You're 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 buying a very high growth stock that's done very well, but at pretty high prices. It got as high as a hundred dollars a share in September before it fell with this recent weakness. So think about that. It's still seventy eight dollars. It was a hundred on seventy eight cents. So you're buying this because of the growth prospects, and the growth prospects are good. It's been good, 40 45% of sales growth, quarter after quarter after quarter in that range, and increasing. So, you know, they've been very good. Trans equity is very high, but you're paying dearly for this stock. It will be volatile. I mean, think about it. From $100 down to $70 is 30%. That's how much it fell when the rest of the market fell only 6 or 7 or 8%. So that's what I mean by it's going to be very volatile. I, I would hold on to it as long as you don't have too much. Uh, there's no reason to sell. You know, I, I, it, other than it's overpriced. But, you know, it deserves to be overpriced at this high growth rate and accelerating growth rate. So until that starts to soften a little bit, then I'd worry about it. It is overpriced. That, you can't get around that. Allow me to present a very interesting history of a now legendary but sadly diminished company, what we today call Sears. Now, as I said, it was, a full, it was founded in 1886, 132 years ago. It was incorporated in 1892, and then again in 1906 in Chicago. It used to be called Sears and Roebuck and Company. Sears and Roebuck, that's the last name of two guys, founders, Richard Sears and Alva, Alva Roebuck. Sears and Roebuck. And for the next century, 100 years, Sears was a major retailing force. Clothing, footwear, bedding, furniture, jewelry, beauty products, appliances, household tools, electronics. You get it, you get it at Sears. They had a huge Sears, um, 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 you know, they, they sent out the Sears catalog for you to order things. It was huge, two inches thick. You know, in those days. So what happened? Change in economy, super discount retailers came about. Uh, you know, it, it got Amazon.com, you name it. That's what happened. And a legendary fund manager, fund manager meaning, uh, you know, a hedge fund manager, Edward Lampert, came in, combined Kmart with Sears and Roebuck, who was going to turn it around a number of years ago. And the money kept losing and losing and losing, and he's still still he's still managing the place. Now it's in bankruptcy. 
What's to learn here? The lesson here is that, you know, every, every company, no matter how strong, can fail. And this is, this is huge. Sears was huge, strong, 132 years, and it still went out of business. So don't think that Walmart can't go out of business. Don't think that Apple can't go out of business. Any of those, any of our current stocks can go out of business. Any of them. So you got, it's one of the reasons why you keep harping on diversify, diversify, diversify. But don't diversify too much, but make sure you have diversification. So I tell you to buy only 3% of any one stock in case something happens. That's why I tell you don't buy too much of any one sector. 15% at the most, or maybe 18. But don't overload. Diversify properly. There's the opposite problem, too, and I'm going to talk about that. It's one of the main talking points today. So you have to have a strategy. You have to have a balanced portfolio. That's the lesson here. You have to take reasonable risk and understand the risk that you're taking. So pay attention to performance and leadership. You have to pay attention to that. Who's, what happened to Sears? Walmart happened to Sears. Costco happened to Sears. Target, you name it, happened to Sears. And then Amazon, of course. Pretty much the final nail in the coffin. Anyways. If you have... Okay, this is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and I have another save-the-date reminder for you. November 7th. That's where I'm going to be in San Jose. San Jose, no-cost, personalized portfolio reviews. You can register at investtalk.com. Set up an appointment. Set up a time. It's Amazing Market Tuesday. I guess that's what we're going to call it. Amazing Market Tuesday. And we're going to take your calls and questions. Give us a call. 888-99-TRUMP. Thanks for listening to Invest Talk. Head over to investtalk.com and read about the many strategic investing programs offered to clients of KPP Financial. In particular, you should consider balanced income. It gives investors an ideal blend of growth and interest. The phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's taking your questions live. 888-99-CHART. Okay, we're going to, our main talking point today is modern portfolio theory teaches the art of counterbalancing gains with losses. What does that mean? They can't get can't get complicated. You can't. So, can there be a downside to over diversifying your portfolio? I'm going to talk about that. That's going to be our main talking point. I'm also going to talk about home builders. There was a home builders report today. Their confidence went up a, a point. I want to talk about that. Ed, you may be surprised about how many S&P 500 stocks have fallen at least 50% from their record highs. Do you know that half of the S&P 500, 250 stocks, are down 20% or more from their highs? Over, We're talking about half of the 500 companies are 20% or more down from their highs. That's some interesting statistics. And fund managers haven't been this bearish on the global growth since 2008. But there's a dichotomy going on here that I want to talk about. They're bearish about the global growth, but not necessarily in the U.S. 
not the U.S. growth. So it's a dichotomy there that I think we should explore. I think that'd be interesting. And did you see the market? The Dow was up 548 points. The Nasdaq up 152 points. The S&P up 69 points. And do you think that the the correction is over? That's on everybody's mind. Anybody who pays attention to this stuff is, at least. I don't think so. I still think that we might, it might be, we talked about Fibonacci numbers before in, in, in the past, and I haven't really explored them very much. Maybe Justin has. But this looks like just a Fibonacci wave to me. Market goes down. It comes up about 50%. And usually at that point, it rolls back. It go 50%, 60%. And then usually it starts to roll back down or move in the opposite direction that it was. Okay, so the main direction was up. We made a, started a correction, had a bounce, pretty nice bounce today. And then is it going to continue and exceed the old highs? That's really, and it could. I'm not saying it's not, can't do it. I'm just saying, I just don't feel that the time is right for it to do it. I've been doing this a long time and I, you know, there's no crystal ball. There's no, there isn't. There just isn't. But, it, you know, a, a 6 7% correction, I expected a, a, a deeper one, 10% or maybe 15, 10 to 15. But I could be totally wrong. That could be the end of it for the year. But I just don't think so. We'll see. We'll see. Anyways. 888-99-CHARTER is our number. I, what, what do you want? Whatever you want to talk about drives the show, you know. It's not me. Um, I have things I want to bring up, I want to talk about, but they're only things that I want to discuss, and you may not find them interesting. Now, of course, I get a lot of calls for individual stocks, but we can talk about strategies, we can talk about 401ks, we can talk about anything financial. I had a long conversation about annuities with someone today. We can talk about annuities if you want. Not my cup of tea, but we can talk about them. It's up to you. You're the driver. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I hope you can take a minute or two and subscribe to our KPP Premium Newsletter. I compile and distribute it every Friday. The newsletter provides a roundup summary of the week that was, the most recent week that just happened, and then offers a little look ahead. And has some good, a couple of stock ideas in there. There's some sections there that I think you would like. So I'm ready to take your questions now at 888-99-CHARGE. Invest Talk listeners call each week asking Steve or Justin to name the software tools they use for data research and filtering. Ready? Y Charts. And if you go to YCharts.com, you can get a free trial. Even better, mention Invest Talk when you purchase and you'll get a significant discount. But now, have you got a question for Steve? He's here and the lines are open. 888 99Chart. 888-992-4278. Today's main talking point, Modern Portfolio Theory, MPT. Modern Portfolio Theory teaches the art of counterbalancing gains with losses, but this policy can be complicated, so can there be a downside to over-diversifying your portfolio? So what this is all about, this is a 
This is, this is not something that's new. It's been around since 1952. Harry Markowitz uh, published a, a very influential paper about it the journal, in the Journal of Finance. And basically, it boils down to this. I can't, you know, you, you, can, get the, you can read his, the, the paper if you want to. But it boils down to this. You have a diversified portfolio, okay? And that diversified portfolio has assets that are not correlated, meaning... They have some assets in that portfolio that go up while other assets go down. Sounds like you'll never make any money, huh? But the point is, is to reduce or to decide what area of risk that you are comfortable in and find that area, that risk tolerance that I talk about on the radio, and design a portfolio to meet that risk and have the best possible chance of not being fitting your risk tolerance and growing the money. For instance, let me give you for instance. You don't want a portfolio that's all high-tech growth stocks because there will be times when it works great. It's just outstanding. Then there's times when it gets crushed. You know, we've seen that very in 2000 uh, when the dot-com thing imploded. You talk about people lost 80, 90% of their money. Uh, but they would they gained a couple, three, 400% in a few years beforehand. But they still lost all of it. Now, a modern portfolio theory would never have you that much in tech. Yeah, you still have tech. But you'd also have utilities that are boring, high dividend paying stocks, or maybe gold, or maybe currency, or something that's not, or bonds, bonds that not are not correlated with stocks. So that your portfolio never gets crushed. But at the same time, it doesn't go up with the market either. This is, the, this is something most people ignore. Most people think, well, how come my, my, my account doesn't go up with the market? Well, maybe the manager is diversifying your portfolio. It's designed not to go up with the market. Maybe that's what's going on. you got to understand maybe he's reducing, he or she's reducing risk in your portfolio. You have to understand how the portfolio is constructed, you know, and that that manager of your portfolio should should be constructed based on your desires, determining where your risk tolerances are. Interesting stuff. Well, maybe it's not interesting to everybody, but I like it. Okay, let's go to Mark in Fremont. How you doing, Mark? Want to talk about Facebook? Ah, uh, yes. Good afternoon. A couple of days ago, Facebook hit 151 low, and today it's gone all the way to 160. Do you see it going further up, or is this a spike and then fizzle down again? Well, what it did do is it hit its low that it made back in April and bounced uh, from that low two or three days ago, uh, maybe four days ago. It bounced from that low. So it's struggling to hold this level right now. Uh, no matter how you look at it, it's kind of expensive. You know, Facebook provides, you know, platform, you know, enabling members to con connect to each other. We all know what it does. I, th I think we do. They're still growing their sales like 40%. So growing sales 40% is pretty significant. So it need, it, it's okay to be overpriced, which it is. But the question is, is how much overpriced? I think that this is a good bottom for it here, Mark. Uh, around 145, 150, and it's at 158 today. I have a feeling that 
once this softness in the market is done, that it'll probably go back up and at least go back up to 180, 185 at the very least. So, uh, so, uh, so I think it, it, you don't see it climbing up straight up, do you? No, no, I do not. Okay, okay. No. so it might go down. All right, okay. yeah, thanks a lot, Steve. Appreciate it. The reason why, everybody, is because I know that the younger kids, my nieces and nephews and now grandnieces and nephews, they don't use Facebook like the like the five years ago, ten years ago people. Like when it first came out, you know, everybody was on Facebook. They use other software platforms. They still use Facebook. Don't get me wrong. But not, it's, you know, Facebook has to stay on the cutting edge. That is a problem with tech stocks, everybody. No matter how good or big or wonderful they are, another one can come in and clobber it with new technology. So I'm not saying that's happening with Facebook, Facebook but there are different technologies that I see that children, uh, teenagers are using more. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, unexpected expenses can derail your savings or put you in debt. So I'm going to reveal the seven important budgeting tips for new parents. New parents. I just had a, a very good friend's child have their newborn just two days ago. So what do you do? I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions right now. 888-99-CHART. Give me a call. This is Invest Talk. Have you thought about asking Steve or Justin for a no-cost and no-obligation portfolio review? You should. They can set up a telephone conversation or a Skype consultation. And if you live anywhere in Northern California, Steve will be returning to San Jose on November 7th. Save the date and register now at investtalk.com. Appointments are free, but they are limited. Okay. You've got finance and investment questions, and you can get unbiased answers. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Mary in Florida. Who wants to talk about Disneyland. How you doing, Mary? Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Are you uh, near? I have a question uh, about Disney. Uh, is it a good stock to buy right now and Costco? Uh Okay, well, let's talk about let's talk about Disney. Disney, of course, Walt Disney Company. They have Disneyland in Florida, or Disney World in Florida, Disneyland here, and they have Disney everywhere. There's Disney in Europe. There's several of the theme parks, but where they make most of the money is through their movies. They make a lot of money in every one of their segments: toys, movies, theme parks, television production. They, they do very well, and they own ESPN, you know, so sports. They're pretty pretty well diversified, and I understand they're going to start a streaming service here soon, too, probably trying to compete with Netflix. I like the stock. I've liked it for some time. It's, it's, it's not overpriced. It's not cheap, but this is probably a decent price for it. It's right now $116. Uh, it's probably worth about 130 or so. That's my, my target price. It doesn't pay a great dividend, only 1.4%, but sales are growing about 7 to 10%, and, and earnings are growing 22% this year and, and expect to go another 6% next year, so $7.37. It's, 
And it's a $172 billion company. It's huge. So it's hard for it to grow much faster. And it has a great return on equity, 22%. Not too much debt. It's a good, solid, blue-chip stock, Mary. So you really, if you have a long-term outlook, you can't go wrong with Disney. I mean, I would rather you buy it at $100 a share because there's a lot of support down there. But I don't know if it's going to go down there. I don't know if it's going to go down there before it starts up again. But, you know... Hey. I think if you're if you have a long term outlook, Mary, it will do very well. It will. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it, Mary. Costco is a whole different thing, and you can call me again maybe tomorrow, and we'll talk about Costco. Home builders remain confident. Okay, today the builder sentiment number came out, and it was 68. That's one point higher than it was before. Anything above 50 is 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 considered to be very confident by the home builders. Now the peak in this index, a home builder confidence index, was in December at 74. 74. So why are the builders going up when they know interest rates, mortgage rates have been rising, so that's putting pressure on people? Well, they said there are very strong demand still on entry-level homes, very strong. Uh, there's demand throughout, but very strong demand at interlabor home. They cite a growing economy and low, uh, ultra-low unemployment rate as very good, a very good basis for home builders to succeed. And they, you do know that every one of these home builders, almost everyone, got crushed as far as their stock price. Okay, they have been pretty much been hammered. Because, you know, all the, the tariff talk, because there's a lot of wood come products coming from Canada that the builders use. And other products from Asia that, you know, they use, uh, wall boards and wires and piping and pla you, know, you name it. So they all were having cost increases that they're going to pass along. But they still cite the basic premise of a strong economy an ultra-low unemployment rate is supportive of, of people buying houses. So they still are pretty optimistic, just not as optimistic as they were. So is it time to buy them? And I'm going to tell you no. I'm going to say no. I, I, you're late in the cycle of home builders. Home, buy, you buy home builders in a recession. You, you know, it's very cyclical. That's one of the most cyclical stocks out there. You know, how homes. So wait for the recession when they've really been beaten up. And they've been beat up now, stock prices, but they always get beat more, more crushed during a recession. And when everybody else doesn't want them, that's when you should be buying them. That's how it works. How all the market works, by the way. All of it. 888-99-CHART. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And as many of you know, I travel to San Jose about once a month. And so I have a date set up to be there on November 7th. That's a Wednesday. And during my time, of course, I meet with a bunch of people. We talk about their finances and their personal holdings. And I take a look at their portfolios and we talk about that stuff. And, you know, and I make suggestions, of course. And if we, if we, meaning KPP Financial, can help them, of course we want to help them. But, you know, I just like talking to the people. So please save the date, November 7th, and register now at investtalk.com. Space is limited. I can't talk to too many people in one day. So I hope to meet you there. Please.
call and set up a time. Our phone line is now open. We're taking your calls to, for the show. Any financial questions you want to talk about, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they are committed to reason and common sense guidance. That can help make you a better investor. And this philosophy is implemented for KPP clients and across all platforms. Broadcast radio, live streaming, podcast replays, plus the KPP Premium Newsletter, the upcoming Wealth Webinar, and the exciting new Invest Talk Academy. Principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein have over 60 years of combined experience in portfolio and money management. You can reach out to Steve or Justin by calling their Dana Point, California KPP Financial Office or sending a message through investtalk.com. The Invest Talk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions. 888-99-CHART. Hello, guys. This is uh, Matt from Mendocino County. Really enjoy your show. I have a, a question concerning rebalancing my 401k. I'm currently 55 years old, plan on working for five more years. I'm in good financial shape and should have uh, enough money to live the same lifestyle. I'm currently uh, living in retirement with the savings I have. I do not have any debt and my house is paid off. Currently, my 401k is 79% equity and I need to rebalance it lower and I'm trying to decide what to change my investments to. I have four equity choices, emerging markets, international equity, large U.S. cap fund, and a mid-small cap fund. There's also the U.S. government bond fund and an interest income fund for me to choose from. So just looking for some advice on how to uh, rebalance my portfolio, maybe down to 70% stock. I'd really appreciate your advice. Thank you so much. Okay, you only only have three choices there. You have the money market fund in your 401k. You have the U.S. government bond fund. And then you have, what was that third one? There was another, uh, sounded like another bond fund. Uh, I, I would, if they take a look at the U.S. government bond fund, find out what the average maturity is. If it's under four years, five years, in other words, they're short-term bonds, then that's where I would go. If they're not, if the average maturity is 7 to 10 to 12 years, then don't go there because a rising interest rate environment here that we're in will cause that value to go down. Uh, so that leaves you with a shorter, if you can, if any of those bond funds had the, of the two that you mentioned have a short duration, that's why I would suggest you go to avoid the stock market risk that you sound like you're trying to do. If they, neither one of those two bond funds, then just go to cash on cash. Yeah, cash is only producing the 1.85 or whatever. But, you know, I don't want you to, you know, remember you told me five years, five years and you're going to retire. Within that period, we're going to have a recession, right? We are. So I don't want you to get hit by the recession just as you're retiring. You know, and I don't know how long the recession is going to last. I think you know, it's more likely that we'll see the recession late next year or the year after. But, you know, how long would that recession last? I don't know. Uh, they usually don't last a year or two. And see, now we're into three or four years, and you say you're retiring in five. So I'm very kind of nervous. So I, I don't think you need to move to 70% 
I mean, move that 70% down to 50% anytime soon, but I think that's where you need to go, like you suggested. But maybe have it done by March. April, uh, April, May, usually is a tougher time, you know, of the market. So, and we're moving toward the best time. So, you can start trickling over down from 70, go down to 65, and then 60, then 55, then 50 over the next few months. So that if we do get a rally, you're still going to participate decently. If we don't get a rally, at least you're moving to be more conservative. See how I'm trying to balance that? that the risk that we're taking there? And that's all based on what you just said. I want to retire in five years. I have plenty of money. So why do I take more risks? You see? So. And that's what these conversations are when I have these meetings. They go like this a lot of times. Well, how much risk do you want to take? You know, I met with one, I, I had a long conversation on the phone today with one of my clients who's living in retirement. We talked about how many more years she wants to travel and what her assets are and how much she has. And, you know, we, we sit down and have a conversation. And I'm managing her funds, but she also has a property and she wants to move to Idaho. You know, there's different things going on. And, you know, it's a conversation to try to determine what's best for the client, best for you, for your circumstances, what you want to do. Okay. Okay, you may be surprised that uh, of the S&P 500, that's 500 companies, how many have fallen 50% or more off their highs? 50% off their highs. And off, right now, off 50% off their highs. Right now. Here's the numbers. And I, I was shocked. I, I was, and I was and I wasn't shocked because I knew that the market wasn't healthy as, you know, it appears to be when everybody hears what's going on. Okay, among the S&P 500, 250 stocks, 250 of them, half of them are down 20% from their all-time highs. Okay, 162 of the 500 companies are down 30% from their highs. 113 are down 40% from their highs. And 69 are off 50% of their highs. Now, <coughs> Now, you would think, you got you know, I read this, and then I said, well, let me read that again. Maybe I'm missing something here. And you have to understand, they're talking about off, off their highs, okay, these companies. So they made a, they made a, made the, the high could have been three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. Matter of fact, one of them is AIG. It's never going to go back to its high in probably my lifetime because it lost like 90% of its value. Okay, and then the government came in and and saved it. So some of these things are like that, but it's still a very high number that half of the S&P 500, half of them are 20% below their old highs after we've had a huge bull market from 2000 and the low of 2009, right? We've had a very big bull market all these years. Now, some of the years weren't that great, right? They weren't, even this year is not very good. Up, what, 4% right now? And, you know, that's right now. Uh, but still, you, you, you had a huge recovery in 2009, 100% rec up in 2009, way back then. And yet there's still half of the stocks in the S&P 500 or 20% below their highs. I think that's a pretty significant number. And this kind of... You know how I've been saying on the air here that the FANG stocks, because they're so big, trillion-dollar companies, they have been driving the indexes. 
S&P 500, the NASDAQ, they're driving them. Not all the rest of the stocks that you probably own. So your performance, your personal performance has probably not been nearly as good as you think it should be based on what you see on the news. The S&P, Dow made new high, all-time highs. you got to remember, <coughs> now they're down below those all-time highs. But you got to remember, they made those highs in, what, January this year. January. Then we had that big fall in February, 10%. Then almost a whole year, whole, the rest of the year up until September, you know, they're struggling to get back to that. Then as soon as they got back to that, October hit and we're back down a little bit. But just I just find it interesting, 200, half the stocks, the S&P 500, still 20% or more below their all-time highs. Let's go to James. How are you doing, James, in New York? How are you this evening? Good. Thank you very much for calling. Uh, thank you. Um, I wanted to ask about um, the ETF, uh, NUGT. Uh, I believe it's a uh, gold miners ETF. And I'm just wondering about this. I don't know a lot about it, but do you think that we have reached a bottom where a investment in this, pos- in this position might be worthwhile? Also, I see that this it's trading now at $16 Um Per share, and it looks like in 2011 it was well over 16,000. I, I don't know if a split happened or is that yeah. feasible? I know there's, yeah? Yes, yes. See, this is an exchange traded fund seeking performance of 300% or three times the gold miners index. So you got to remember if the gold, gold and gold miners go down, it goes down three times as fast. And it's supposed to go up three times as fast either. So it's a very, very risky ETF, exchange-traded fund. N-U-G-T, Direction Gold Miners Bowl 300 times, three times, or 300%. I would not recommend this because of that. It's, the swings are so huge. I, I, James, I really wouldn't recommend it. I do, I do like having gold or, or even the gold miners as a diversification. So I think that's a good idea. But don't, don't, maybe GDX is just one time. It's not so risky. On the next Invest Talk, unexpected expenses can derail your savings or put you in debt. So tomorrow, Steve will reveal the seven important budgeting tips for new parents. Steve is here now, he's ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Well, this is Josh calling from Seattle. Um, I was curious about using the uh, bond ETF, TLT. It's a uh, um, treasury bond long-term ETF. And I was wondering if using that as a hedge is a good idea, using long-term over short-term treasuries. Seems like uh, people rush into treasuries crashing market. I'm just wondering if it's a better hedge to use a long-term ETF or a short-term one. Thanks a lot. Bye. Okay, if you're going to use it as a hedge, that means you want it to go up when, let's say, the stock market goes down. Well, what? And TLT. TLT is the Exchange Traded Fund Seeking Performance Corresponding to the ICE U.S. Treasury 20-Year Index. Okay, so this will go up when interest rates go down, and when interest rates go up, 
this should go down. Okay, so what is the Fed doing? It's raising rates. So this should be going down, and it has been going down. Okay, it's now at 114. Uh, it won't move dramatically. It was 143 in 2016. It was a high. The high in 2017 is 129. So you can see that it's slowly moving down as interest rates rise. It is a good hedge. It's a good hedge. If the stock market crashes, usually that indicates the economy is going to weaken. And usually that means that the Fed is going to start lowering rates. And that happens, this will go up. But this will not act the same as the stock market. Therefore, it's a very good diversifier. How much money you'll make at it? That's a, you know that's a $20 million question. It pays 2.7% dividend, but it is a good hedge. Just like the previous caller, we were talking about gold. Gold is a good hedge also against the stock market collapse. It's a better hedge against the dollar collapse. The dollar goes down, but you know we're as a hedge, you always want the a hedge is something that it's going to be act differently than the basic assets that you have. And most people have mutual funds or stocks. So if you want something to act differently, an asset that acts differently, that would be a hedge against it. So you could short the market. That's a hedge. You can buy gold, which doesn't move up and down with the market necessarily. And you can buy bonds. And this is what he's talking about, this TLT, 20-year ETF, 20-year treasury bond. So um, I do think the dollar has peaked um, because you know, our economy is so strong and everything looks so great and this dollar has gone up this most of this year. So, you know, it peaked in August, fell a little bit for the next couple months and tried to hit that peak again here just recently in the last five, six days and fell on off again. So I, I think we might see that dollar peak. Therefore, you know, the dollar, you know, there's different kinds of hedges, and this is a this is a hedge that you could use. Just don't expect to make too much money out of it, because you probably won't, because it moves very slow. Okay, very slow. Fund managers haven't been this bearish on the global growth since 2008. Okay, that was a survey put out by B B A L M L. Uh, it, it's a survey they put out asking fund managers, well, what do you think of the global economy? Is it going to get stronger next year, weaker? And a majority have felt that they're going to get, the global economy is going to get weaker. Weaker. We, weaker means slower growth. Okay, it's still growing, but slower. 85% of them said that, by the way. 85%. At the same time, they don't feel that same way about the U.S. economy. They don't feel the same way that it's going to necessarily get weaker, which I found I found surprising. Uh, you know that that's what they were thinking. Okay, um, so just so you know, if don't necessarily you know I, I take all these surveys all with a grain of salt. It's nice to know what the big fund managers doing. If they feel the whole world economy is getting weak, then doesn't that tell you that? They are going to be less in the stock market. They're going to try to be conservative, a bit more conservative going forward. And if they're conservative, will that not, just by the fact that they are worried, won't that make mean the market is not going to be as strong? But at the same time, they're bullish on America. 
I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Invest Talk program driven again by your questions. I remind you, our podcast listeners, that they will be hearing more about our the, the software Y Charts, our new sponsor, and the maker of the software that Justin and I use quite diligently. We use it every day. It's a research, data filters, and charting software. It does it all. So we use chart charts almost every day. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line. Thank you.